Welcome to the Bethany Community Church Sermon Podcast. This ministry is intended to inspire you and help bring solutions to the challenges of life. Today's message is titled, Possessing the Peace of Jesus, and it is part of the Stress Less Sermon Series. For more information about other ministries here at Bethany Community Church, you can check us out at our website at bccma.org, or you can always send us an email at office at bccma.org. Org. And now, here's Pastor Phil McCutcheon. Uh, how many of you had a, a really good week? I had a really good week, so I'm glad you're here because uh, it's a good place and a good time to give God praise for that really good week. How many of you had a, a stressful week but a good week? That was me. Lots going on, you know, and uh, uh, I was end up, uh, I just preached to a men's conference and Newton, Friday night and Saturday, so it's busy, a lot, lot packed in, but, uh, but it was a great week. And um, how many of you had, it just wasn't a good week at all, wasn't productive, and it was stressful? How many of you had that week? All right, so I'm glad you're here, because we want to we just love on you, and you don't, even have to, you don't even have to say amen during the sermon, you can just be quiet and rest, we're just going to take it easy on you. Today, so we're glad you're here, and I'm glad everybody's here. We're all part of the we're all part of the story, aren't we? And uh, I'm I'm going to uh, let uh, Steve Light, our friend and uh, marriage and family counselor, uh, introduce today's message on reacting less, receiving more. Our third me- message in the Stress Less series. So he's going to talk to us about the problem of perfectionism and stress. Yeah, perfectionism was a blind spot in my life when I first became um, a, a therapist um, 11 or 12 years ago. I caught myself one day, you know, driving home. I'd have eight, you say I'd have eight sessions in a row, and 95% of those sessions went really well. Uh, guess what percentage oh, yeah. I'm thinking about on the way home? It's that 5% that didn't go well. And I'd run myself through what I call the emotional meat grinder. And by the time I got home, you know, what do I look like coming out of the other side of that? Oh, yeah. Cast yeah. all my cares upon him. I mean, this Christian faith resource that we have is just so remarkable. Yeah, we, we need to utilize it. And that's, I think that's it. It's a, God's power in love is an underutilized resource in most of our lives. I think so. And Philippians 4 addresses this. One of my favorite passages in the Bible, I'm sure it's some of yours as well, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, keep in mind that the great apostle Paul who's writing this is writing this at a time when he is incarcerated, eventually he will be executed, and he writes to his friends in Philippi, rejoice in the Lord, and again I say rejoice, let your gentleness be evident to all, how many of you find when you get stressed? You lose your gentleness, you get, you get unkind, you get rude, you get tense, you get terse. Do, but don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The word anxiety that used here is the Greek word marimba, and it means to be in pieces. How many of you know that God doesn't want us going around living our lives in pieces? He came to make us whole. 
The Bible says we are complete in him. He came to make us complete and whole. Anxiety and worry is not only unhelpful, but it's a misuse of your nervous system. God gave you this nervous system. He gave you this survival system. And you know the same part of your nervous system that's used to worry is the same part of your nervous system that's used to solve problems. You see, when you're anxious and worrying, you're not using your energy to solve problems. You're using your energy to imagine problems that don't even exist. God has so given you this survival system, this nervous system, that's designed to hyper-focus on problems, to hyper-focus on situations that make you uncomfortable. And you can let that control your life and rob you of joy and peace, or you can get in control of it. We're going to, that's what we're going to talk about today. There are two words, uh, words for a positive and negative use of our nervous system. One is called distress. Everybody say distress. And the other is called eustress. Distress is when you are crippled and paralyzed by your anxiety. When you've got an unhealthy tunnel vision where your entire life is being defined by something negative that just happened. Eustress is the kind of stress that we use to focus on solving problems. In fact, the opposite of worry is to give no thought. To give no thought. Athletes understand this as flow state. They understand this as being in the zone. When, when a batter in baseball is in the zone, he's not thinking about every single move that he's making. When a, when a golfer is in the zone, he's not thinking about every single part of his swing. He just swings and the ball goes further and, 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 and toward its target much more likely than if he's thinking about what he's doing. It's called the flow state. Mountain climbers talk about it. Hang gliders talk about it. They get in the flow state and everything seems easy. Everything seems natural. You're not thinking about everything you're doing. And God wants to cause you to go through life in a way that you're not always overthinking everything that you're doing and everything that's happening around. You're not examining everything for flaws. You're not examining yourself for flaws. Joyce Meyer says something in a wonderful sermon on anxiety. Sow more peace and get more power. A lady in her light 20s tweeted a truism this week. She said this, worrying is useless because it's so often misplaced. I say this as a chronic worshiper. Like when I first got my cat as a six-week-old kitten, I almost immediately started worrying about how I'd feel when he died. He's still alive. But my mom unexpectedly died in her 50s. Just live. See what we're talking about? We're talking about letting God have your life. You're talking about giving your life to God. So all you have to do is go live it. And God takes care of the things that you can't take care of anyway. And you can't control anyway. Philippians chapter 4 verse 4 is written in the context of relationships and community. You know, we all know this is true. Families and communities. Offices. Our emotional systems. And anxiety is what clogs up the emotional systems of our families and our churches. 
in our friendship circles, in our social circles. Peace is what releases joy and power and goodness throughout the emotional system that we're involved with. Uh, I like to use the example of a hammer and a feather. And being peaceful versus being anxious. When you go through life being peaceful, when you go through life in your flow state, in the zone, then you go through life carrying a feather and you communicate with a feather. People hear lightness in your, they see lightness in your being and they hear lightness in your speech. Now, when you go, when you're anxious, you're communicating with your hammer. Now, there's places and times when you need to communicate with your hammer, right? Like I said last week, when you're, you step out on a parking lot today and you look up and your two and a half year old has almost made it to Route 140, it's not time for your feather. It's time for your hammer. It's time to scream. It's time to let your nervous system do what it naturally does, which is causing you to hyperfocus, have tunnel vision. You shouldn't be thinking about something else. You shouldn't be going through, as Steve Light said, your Rolodex of options. You shouldn't be turning to your significant others and saying, now, where are we going to lunch? Uh, think about that while I go get my two-year-old from being hit by a truck. No. You get your hammer out, and you scream, and you run, and you push, you knock anybody down that's in the way. But what happens when you don't even have a feather? You just got a hammer. And everything is serious, and everything is the end of the world. Everything is super important. Everything is overthought and overexamined and overanalyzed. Every word that's said is overanalyzed. You are going to do a lot of destruction in life. You're going to hurt a lot of people that don't need to be hurt, and you're going to end up hurting yourself because you don't have the peace that passes understanding. Never mind. You don't even have the peace that's, that's understandable. Never mind the peace that passes understanding. Apostle Paul's in a prison. And what does he do? He communicates with his feather. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Stop worrying so much. He's in prison. If some of you are in prison... It would just, we just wouldn't read your communication to the church. <laughs> right? I want to be so walking with God that you'd want to read my letters from the most stressful situation you could possibly imagine being, that you'd want to read my letters and they would encourage you. Now that's a high bar to set, right? <laughs> An illustration that Steve Gleit likes to use on systems being emotional is cows. Now, being from Texas, I like, I think I know a little about, I mean, I've seen cows. I don't really know much about them, but I've seen them a lot. I, was, I grew up in a town called Farmersville, first six years of my life before I moved to McKinney. And Farmersville, you can imagine what Farmersville looked like. It was 3,000 people. Not like Menden, surrounded by 300,000 people. Menden's 5,000, I think, or 3,000, surrounded by 300,000. Farmersville was 3,000, surrounded by dirt farms. That's all we know about cows. And we know, and we knew about cows, and we knew about electric fences, because that's how you kept your cows in the fence, because they could knock the fence over, so they would electrify the fence. 
And one of, one of the one of the favorite things we like to do is take some stupid person, I mean, I mean somebody who didn't know, naive person, and we go and you grab the fen- electric fence as you're holding their hand. And the electricity goes through you to them. And they get the shock. So, so if, a, if a cow bumps up against the fence, the, the electricity goes through their body to the next cow and the next cow and the next cow. And unless some, one of the cows has moved away or doesn't react, the whole herd can go running off. If, if there's a cliff around, the whole herd could, could, could go off the cliff. That's the way some of us live our lives. We are conductors of anxiety. We're conductors of worry. We're conductors of stress. We, we touch something that makes us anxious. It makes us worried. makes us angry. makes us upset. And it just goes right through us to our spouse and our kids and the dog. And th- then the dog bites somebody and the circle starts around again, you know. And, and some churches are like that. One person gets upset in the church and they talk to somebody else. And they talk to them. The anxiety just goes right through the system. What's what's happening in our nation right now? That's what's happening in our in our country right now. It's what's happening in the Western civilization, man. And if we don't, if somebody doesn't break the break the tension, the cows are going to go over the cliff, right? <laughs> There's a false kind of peace, however, and it's uh, disconnection, cynicism, and apathy. It's for some of you are like me, my age. You'll remember the Marlboro Man, right? Flavor country. <laughs> Poor guy died of lung cancer, you know. Seriously, he did. But he was an example of cool. But that, that's, that's a pseudo piece. Satan has a fake everything, including a fake peace. And we know that kind of peace is fake because real peace is approachable and loving and joyful. Real, real peace makes you calm and connected you are pro- appropriately and properly and beautifully connected with the people around you when you're at peace. And you like to be connected to people at peace unless, and I'm going to talk in a minute about getting addicted to stress, unless you've gotten addicted to stress. And then if you've gotten addicted to stress, that's a, that's a whole other deal. It becomes pathological. But you're at church today, and you're going to get delivered from that. Right? We're going to get delivered from pathological, addictive Addictive to adrenaline. <laughs> I love the uh, illustration of the art contest that someone put on years ago, asking someone to draw a portrait of peace. And all the artists gathered at a location and they brought their paintings, some of beautiful sunsets, of course, and sunrises and moonlit scenes over, over mountain lakes and mountain streams. As you can imagine, peaceful, serene settings. And uh, the picture that won, though, was a, was a painting of a storm. If you looked at the top of the painting, you saw dark clouds and lightning. And, and you could imagine thunder. And rain was, was, was pouring down on a, on a rocky crag and rocky mountainside. And in the middle of that rocky mountain was a ledge underneath a leather ledge. And underneath a rocky ledge was a ledge. And there on that ledge was a, mar- a mother bird with her little chicks underneath her wings, untouched by the storm. That's a picture of calm. 
You see, we're not going to, I don't have any, any advice for how to stop the storms of life. Now, that, that we, perhaps there is a sermon on that. You could prevent some storms of life, I suppose, but that's not what we're talking about today. I certainly can't control the socio-political climate of our nation right now. Peace is when you are that little bird in the middle of the storm and you are focused and you are in your flow state and you're in the zone and you're in your calm, connected state in the middle of chaos. That's what Jesus says I have for you. He said, my peace I give you, not as the world gives give I to you. I give you peace that passes understanding. It passes understanding because you're in the middle of, of things that should make you crazy. But it's not making you crazy because you are connected to the source of life. You can live this way, and I want to try to show you that today. I want to give you three practices that will increase your peace. And I guarantee you they will increase your peace. These three practices. You'll, you'll be able to put your hammer in a toolbox. Pull it out once in a while when you need it. Something really, really serious happens, you know. I, I, I love the story Tim Keller tells about when he was uh, staying at the office too much. And he was giving too much time to the ministry. And they were fairly newly married, him, he and his wife. And he comes home late again one day. And as he opens the door, he hears the sound of crashing and breaking. And he goes, I think it was like a, sounded like to me in the illustration, is a back deck or something. And so he walks out there. And there she's got a couple of her wedding plate dishes. And she's got a hammer, and she's smacking them, and she's breaking them apart. And what are you doing? You don't care about our marriage. You're, you're just staying at the office all the time, and she's breaking the dishes. And uh, he was like, oh, it got his attention, you know? And he's, oh, I'm so sorry. And they apologized. They made up. And, and she said, he said, but why did you break our beautiful wedding dishes? Well, she said, oh, those, those were two old ones that I didn't even want. And, you know. It was, all, it was all planned, you know. She heard when the door opened, she started. See, that, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. That's, that's how to use your hammer when you're in control and you know what you're doing and you got a plan and you say, you know, today he needs the hammer. I'm going to use the hammer. But most of the time, with all the little stuff in life and we fail each other, we let each other down, I mean, uh, Yesterday, I, 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 I had to run off to this thing. I left dirty dishes in the sink, and I don't like to do that. Sherry works really hard, and especially on a Saturday. I don't want her to come home to dirty dishes. But I just ran out of time trying to prepare for the afternoon's message yesterday. And I, wrote, I sent her a text. Sorry about that. I, I didn't, I, I, you know, not that she, she might not have even said anything, but that was important to me. That I want to go through life. I'm going to try to get better. This series is for me, okay? I want to get better at this. I want to get better at being, because, I mean, one way we use our hammer is just when we act worried and stressed all the time. It's not just being aggressive, but you're just acting worried all the time. I want to use the light touch of the Spirit. So here there are three practices that, that will, will guarantee you more peace and less stress. Desire, decision, and discipline. 
Now let's talk about desire. I know what you're thinking. Desire, of course everybody wants peace. Well, hold on, hold on, before you assume that. First of all, let's, let's do a little survey of you, and you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but, or, or shout out anything. But what is your predominant emotion in life? What do you think your predominant emotion is? If you're sitting next to somebody who knows you really well, just like a spouse or family member, turn to them and say, ask them, say, what's my predominant emotion? Just ask them. Just... Okay. Now that we broke up marriages and we got people fighting, and <laughs> what's the predominant emotion of your family or your office or your associates that you, stay, that you spend a lot of time with? What's your predominant emotion? Is it worry, fear? Anxiety, chaos, is it peace, is it love, is it joy? What is it? So you may think, well, well, yeah, everybody wants, wants peace, but hold on. There's something broken about us. That's, there's something in us that unless we've worked on ourselves, we just might not want peace. We just might not hunger for peace as much as we think we should. I, I love this quote by Joyce, or it's just a, a statement that Joyce Meyer made, and I'm going to throw it up on the wall for you. When I first started getting peace, I was bored if I wasn't upset. If I wasn't mad about something or had nothing to worry about, I didn't know what to do with myself. I can remember sitting in a recliner thinking, this is boring. But I decided if Dave, who's her husband, can have it, I can have it. Whatever it takes, I am going to have peace. See, I made a, I just did a little brainstorming and thought of all the reasons we might not want peace. I had a really long list. I, I don't have time to read the whole list. There's a lot of reasons you might not. First of all, stress can be the glue that keeps you together with certain people. You can form friendships around stress. That coworker, three offices down, that you go to and you talk to them when another coworker or the boss makes you anxious. You do that one day, two days later you do it again, three days later you do it again. Pretty soon, guess what? You have a friendship. Guess what else? You have a toxic friendship because it's all about your anxiety and you are bonding around your anxiety. Steve Light likes, talks to me a lot about the fact that a, a two-legged stool is very unstable. It needs a third leg. So when you feel uncomfortable, when you feel discomfort and stress with another person, well, you say, well, I, I should go talk to them. Well, that's going to make you more uncomfortable. How many of you just like to go talk to people when you're stressed with them? You just like to talk. You just want to have that conversation. You're rare if you want to have that conversation. Most of us don't want to have that conversation when it gets tense with somebody else. But, so what do we do? We're, we're the two-legged stool. Everything's all unstable. So we go find another friend, and we rope them in. They don't even know. They don't even know we're using them to restore our emotional balance. But we're creating toxicity in our relationships. We're doing something that's not going to be a blessing in the end. And, and so, you know, I'm just going to give you a quick thing. And I realize 
at another sermon, we might talk about how to go talk to get help and all that kind of stuff. But forget that for now. Make Jesus your third leg of your stool. Learn to pray through your stress with other people instead of getting people involved who were not a part of the problem and shouldn't be a part of the solution. Amen? Somebody say amen this morning. I was good preaching even if I do say so myself. <laughs> stress can be a badge of honor that validates you as a strong and courageous person. You ever hear anybody ask you, are you bragging or complaining? That's what they mean. They mean, you got to tell me how stressful your life is to show me what a strong and courageous person you are. So, I will give you the courage of, badge of courage. Somebody has to live with what you have to live with. God bless you, but do you have the peace of God? How productive is it? Stress can be a, the reason you don't have to be nice. You were planning on being nice today, but something happened. No, you don't have to be nice. And the the convenient part of that is something's going to happen every day. Something's going to happen about 25 times a day that's going to make you anxious and stressful. So you can just live your life, whole life being a not nice person. And it's not, once you get used to not being nice, it's kind of a bother to be nice and to be sweet. But God's called you to be nice and to be sweet and be attractive. Worry and stress might be the only interesting thing you have to talk about. <laughs> it, might be the, it might be the only interesting thing you have to talk about is problems. Stress can be the excuse that keeps you in charge, too. You know, every day is 911, and you're, you know, every day is, you have to declare martial law, and your name is Marshall. Because things are going so badly, we've got to put you in charge again. Adolf Hitler knew that, and I'm not comparing anyone to Hitler, please. But, but he's an extreme example. He would... He would look for and create stress, which he was the solution for. Uh, in in uh, 1933, a guy named Marinus van der Lubbe was an um, unemployed 24-year-old Dutch laborer with Communist Party sympathies, and he went and set fire to the Reichstag, which was the government center in, uh, in Berlin, and um, I believe it was Berlin, but anyway, in Germany. And so... Uh, he was looking for some excuse to go, to, to, to go after the Communist Party anyway, so there he had it. That night he arrested 4,000 people and executed a bunch of them and rewrote the laws of Germany so that he had complete dictatorial power because an unemployed Dutch laborer set fire to the Reichstag and he told everybody the communist, this is a communist plot, the Communist Party's doing this, and he put himself in charge of the whole nation and everybody, everybody appreciated him. They did. The Germans appreciated someone saving us from the communists. And they proved years later that Vanderloop did the, did the deed he did all by himself without any collusion with anybody else. Don't believe all the emergencies that you hear are emergencies. The devil manipulates us by doing that. So, so anyway, stress can be... the uh, Stress can be... Uh, can feed your addiction to adrenaline. We'll talk about that in a minute, how that works. It can be the, you know, one thing about stress is that stress can be the convenient trigger to your secondary addiction. So, so you, 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 every, time, every time you get stressed, you've got to have another glass of wine, right? 
or you got to have whatever, whatever your favorite beverage is. So you, so you abuse alcohol when you're stressed, or you, or pot, or uh, pornography, or the, the, the sins of the saints. I, th- that was the sins of the sinners, but the sins of the saints are gossip <laughs> and complaining and grouchy and being, be, you know, being Oscar the Grouch. Those are the sins of the saints, and you get addicted. You get addicted to these things. And you actually get addicted to the thing, to the secondary addictions, what you're really addicted to. So you welcome a little stress, and you don't realize this. This has happened subconsciously, and you don't even realize it. You realize it now because I just told you. Aren't you thinking? Aren't you appreciating me? I just told you. I just told you that what you really like is to get intoxicated. You really want to go look at porn, and anxiety gives you the excuse to do it. That's how your psychological system works, and Satan gets you hooked, and he, he, really, he really, really hurts your life. This isn't about making you feel bad, by the way, or condemning you at all. No way. There's no condemnation to those in Christ. This is not about condemning you. This is about telling you you can be free. I'm telling you, this is about telling you you can be free. And once you realize what the devil's doing to you, you can, you can break those chains in a second. You can break those chains right here in the service today. I mean that with all my heart. Uh, another thing about stress is um, it can be the proof you need to excuse yourself from the lordship of Jesus Christ. Because, okay, he wants me to be lord and turn my whole life over to him. Why is he letting this happen and this happen and this happen? When he quits letting this happen and this happen and this negative thing happen, then maybe I'll turn my life over to him. But I'm not turning my life over to him until he proves he's a better God than, than, than he's, he proves he's the God he's advertised to be. And so you're missing out on a beautiful, wonderful, awesome relationship with Jesus Christ because the world isn't perfect. And the world has fallen and it's broken and it's full of sin and it's full of stress and it's full of problems. And, you're not, you, you, and, and Jesus is here saying, I know it's full of problems. I didn't create the problems. Man's sinfulness created the problems. I'm here trying to save mankind. Would you get on my team? Amen? The second practice that I want to talk to you about today is decision. There's an enormous difference between a wish or a declaration of intention and a decision. See, we naturally put things in the realm of emotion that belong in the realm of decision. John 14, 1, the most stressful time in the lives of the disciples. Jesus has just explained to them, and finally, finally they understand that he's not going to conquer the Roman Empire. That he's not going to bring political peace. That he's not going to reestablish Israel back to its glory at this time and he is going to die on a cross he's just laid this on his disciples and if I were Jesus which uh, this is a good this is part of the reason I don't get to be Jesus is I would not have done what Jesus did I would have said guys I'm really sorry that I that I that I didn't make it clear that I wasn't going to do all those expectations you had I, I I my bad my bad that I let you expect that I was going to conquer the Roman Empire, raise Israel back to its glory. I messed up. Sorry, guys. Go, go have a drink. 
Go do whatever you need to do to feel better. Good luck. No, Jesus didn't do that. Jesus was tender and he was tough, man. Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. Wow. Does that hit you like it hits me? Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. I'm in charge. I'm in control. I'm going to take care of everything. Everything's going to be fine. Don't let your heart be troubled. Make a decision is what he's saying. See, lordship, when you live in the realm of decision, your higher self manages your lower self. You have a higher self and a lower self. It manages your lower self. Lordship, you say, well, I know, I know what you want. you want. You want magical. You want me to pray a prayer over you, put some pixie dust over you, and you don't, you don't stress anymore. Well, that's why people become drug, drug addicts, because they're looking for pixie dust. They're looking for a magic pill. And I'm not, I'm not criticizing people who have problems by taking things and all that. I'm not, I'm not, don't, don't get all under condemnation. I'm, I'm here to tell you there's a better, there's a better way. But you've got to understand, it's not magical. It's not a magic prayer said over you. The Lord, the Holy Spirit works with your brain, your cognition, your nervous system, your survival system. Peace will be conscious obedience. Listen to me. This is, I hope you write this down in your notes. Peace will be conscious obedience, not robotic response to the storms of life. It will be conscious obedience. Psalms 43, 4 says, Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the harp, O God, my God. Because everything is going great, and I am, I am, I am having so much fun in life. No, 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 wait a minute. Verse 5, why are you downcast, O my soul? See, verse 4, verse four he's telling you, here's what I'm going to do. Verse 5, he tells you the context he's going to do it in. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. He's talking about his higher self and his lower self. His higher self is saying, I will go to the altar of God, my joy and my delight. My higher self will be in charge here. My lower self is upset. Put your hope in God, for I will yet pray. He's ordering his lower self around. I put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior, my God. And then we go to 2 Timothy 1.7, says the Spirit gives us power and self-discipline. See, here's the way it goes. Biologically, when you get stressed, two-year-olds running for 140, right? Tiger burst into the room. You're your amygdala, which is a little organ at the base of your brain, lights up. When you get stressful, it's where, you, it's where your emotions live. I know, I know you've been taught your emotions live right here in the center of your chest, but that's not true. That's just your physical heart. But it doesn't, it doesn't sound very exciting for someone to say, I love you with all my brain. <laughs> so we say, I love you with all my heart. Jesus doesn't come in to hear. He comes in to hear. That's a really important thing for you to know. Jesus doesn't come into your, the middle of your chest. He comes into the middle of your brain. That's where he lives. He lives in your brain. He lives in your thoughts. He lives in your mind. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ, who thought it not robbery to be equal to God. So your amygdala lights up when the tiger bursts into the room or your spouse doesn't do the dishes. 
And it sends a message to the hypothalamus, which sends adrenaline and cortisol into your body, which shuts down things like your digestive system, because you're not going to need that for a while, because you're going to get ready to fight a tiger, or you're getting ready to chase your two-and-a-half-year-old out to 140, so you're not going to need to be digesting any food. You're not going to be having a snack or anything. You're going to need everything, so your muscles get more blood. Your brain gets more blood, your, your eyes focus better, your hearing increases, you become more alert to sounds, you know what's going on, you are ready for battle. But wait a minute, all that happened was your husband didn't do the dishes. <laughs> all that happened was the president said something that you wish he hadn't said that, that way. <laughs> That's all that happened. And so God has given you another part of your brain called the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex is your manager. And your prefrontal cortex is where the message comes. That's where information is stored. Information is stored right here. It's called front of mind awareness. That's why Jesus, when he's put in this terrible, stressful situation, taken by the devil to be tempted of the devil in the wilderness... Not once did Jesus say to the devil, when the devil's saying, do this, do this, do this. Not one, Jesus hadn't eaten for 40 days. I, some of you are stressed because you hadn't eaten in four hours. Jesus hadn't eaten in 40 days. He was stressed. Not once did he say to the devil, I feel. Not once. He said, it is written. That's what the prefrontal cortex does. The prefrontal cortex is there to order the hypothalamus and the amygdala around and say, it is written, the word of God says that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Devil, shut up. Amen? Amen? When you realize, when you live in the realm of decision, you're realistic. And prepared for discomfort. Don't be anxious for anything. That's an interesting statement. Don't be anxious for anything. That is forecasting that there's going to be anythings. <laughs> That's forecasting there's going to be some anythings. And so instead of having this Disneyland idea that I'm got, the pastor's going to pray over me and I'm never going to have stress again. It's, uh, okay, bring it on. Discomfort's going to come. I'm at, in fact, when you start doing more healthy things, you're going to produce stress. When you, start, when you stop getting your nose in other people's problems, they aren't going to like it because they've been depending on you to solve their problems. And they're not going to like you for a few days. And they're going to they're have more problems. And they're going to blame you for it. You're getting ready to have more anythings in your life. But you're going to be okay. Because you're going to tap into the peace that passes understanding. I did not get an amen. I'm worried about that. Amen. Finally, discipline. Think about our text again. I'm not going to read it to you, but it's going to go on the wall for you to look at. Three things, three disciplines. The discipline of emotional awareness and regulation. Let me tell you a very simple thing. that God has given you a gift. It's called breathing. When we get stressed, we forget to breathe. Breathe. The Holy Spirit lives in your breath, I believe. I love what Tim Keller says. Worry is listening to your heart. Peace is talking to your heart. Talk to your heart. 
you have three adversaries, worldliness, the flesh, and the devil. Worldly, that's a mindset that says right now is all that matters. The flesh is the part of you that wants to be God and control everything. The devil, the word devil means accuser. The devil is a punisher and a prosecutor. He will complicate your times of stress by creating a stress, a shame storm. And making you, he will compound your stress with guilt. That you have caused this problem. You are not a good Christian. You are not full of the spirit. You don't know the Lord. Why do you bother going to church? Two words for him, shut up. The second discipline I want to encourage you to start to enact is the discipline of gratitude. I wish I had more than 60 seconds on this because this is huge. This is huge. Because stress causes you to have tunnel vision about the thing that's wrong instead of the nine things that are right. Gratitude will cause you to see the nine things that are right instead of the one thing that are wrong, the nine things that are right about your spouse, the nine things that are right about your church, the nine things that are right about your job. You know, think about it the next time you're in that Boston traffic and you're going to that job, you can, you can curse that traffic and say, my life is horrible because I have to commute to Boston every day. Or you can say, thank you, God, that I have a job. Do you have a choice to make? What do you think it's going to do to your soul if you say, thank you, God, I have a job? And what's it going to do to your, job, your soul if you keep saying, I have a horrible life because I have to commute to my job? And besides, you can spend that time listening to Pastor Phil's podcast. <laughs> Some of you just, just got delivered just now. Now you know the purpose. <laughs> and the discipline of prayer and intercession. Man, that's a, that's, a, that's a sermon series by itself. Learn to pray about stuff. Learn to talk to God about everything. The old song we used to sing says, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. What a powerful discipline. See, these are the practices. Because here's the deal. Peace is not magical. Because, in part, because you already have it. You already have peace. Turn to your neighbor and say, I already have peace. You say, well, I don't feel peace. Well, you don't understand. No, you, ha- you, 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 you don't understand peace. Peace is like a muscle. Every one of you have muscles. Some of you, it's more apparent than others. But you all have them. How do you grow your muscles? You practice and you use them. And you go lifting those weights. Doing those setups. Doing those stretches. Well, peace is a muscle. And if you'll start exercising it, some of you have, the, your worry muscle is just bulging. <laughs> your stress muscle is bulging, but your peace muscle is atrophy because you had not been using it. Well, I'm going to send you out of here today, and it's going to be fun because you're going to spend this week using your peace muscle, and you're going to start developing. You're going to be shocked. It's going to be really hard at first. It's going to be hell at first, but it's going to be heaven in a few days. I will promise you. Amen?
Listen, God knew he was leaving you in a world full of trouble. He also knew that you could walk through this troubled world without being troubled. There's a sense in which living this world is a fight at every level. We're not going to change the landscape. But we can learn to enjoy the views. We can learn to let go and let God have his wonderful way. Would you stand? Now, some of you are here today, and you really need prayer, because this is a serious problem in your life. This is serious. We, we talk about stress and worry and all that, kind of lighthearted. Really, when you see the pastor's going to preach on stress, you think, ah, oh, lighthearted sermon. That's great. No, it's not going to be too heavy. And, and I understand that, but it's a very serious thing, because anxiety really, really creates a lot of unnecessary problems for us. And I want to see you, I want to see you live the abundant. I, I love the fact that we're told that we're, we, we, he said, I came to give you life more abundantly. I love that. Uh, he didn't say, I come to give you heaven more abundantly. That's for later. That's the next realm. I'm looking forward to heaven. He, he's saying, I have something for you now. I have something for you now. I have something for you in this life. I come that you might have life. And you might have it more abundantly. If you are carrying a heavy load of stress and you want to tap into a new presence and some new practices, come down here. Let's pray together right now. Come on down. After everyone comes down, then I'll, I'll open the communion up for everybody. But I want to pray with these friends that really need a touch from God today. I want to pray for these friends that really need a touch from God today in this whole area of worry and stress and anxiety. I tell you, it's no little thing. Some people that are down here, I don't know everything, but I bet, I'll bet there's some real stuff going on. I bet there's some real stuff going on. Some of it will just break your heart, but God is bigger than what breaks my heart. God is bigger, and he's capable Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for my friends who are carrying a burden of stress and worry. And I know its, it's foundation is doubt. I pray that you'll replace that foundation of doubt with belief and trust. Oh, God, show yourself strong. Show yourself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward you. Our, our minds, our lives aren't perfect, but... Our heart can be right and perfect. In Jesus' name, tap us in to life more belief. If there's someone here today who God has not made Jesus the Lord of their life, God, Father, I pray you'll reveal Jesus to them. I pray right now they would receive him as their personal Savior. They would be forgiven of their sins and given e the gift of eternal life. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let me encourage you that are down here to partake of communion. I encourage the rest of you to come and also partake in communion and make this a moment of worship. Before you go to the back and enter into fellowship, uh, I look forward to meeting some of you, our guests here today, and in the uh, uh, hospitality lounge next door. Thank you for being a, a, a great part of what God is doing here. Let's give the Lord a hand today.